Today's episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by Datadog. Bring speed and scale to your security organization. Datadog Cloud Security Platform delivers real-time threat detection and continuous configuration audits across applications, hosts, containers, and cloud infrastructure. Built on top of the observability platform, Datadog brings unprecedented integration between security and DevOps aligned to shared organizational goals. As a listener to the Cloudcast, you can sign up for a free two-week trial to see for yourself how Datadog can elevate your cloud infrastructure security posture by visiting datadog.com slash security dash cloudcast. Sign up now and receive a free Datadog t-shirt. That's datadog.com slash security dash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. Uh, by the time you are listening to this, I am very likely going to be on a plane somewhere between uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, uh, eh, Southern Asia, Southern Asia division of uh, the Pacific Ocean. So I am uh, beginning a about a month-long set of travels. I've got to go to Asia and Europe and across the United States and then down to South America. So uh, a lot of work travel for me. That was the sort of the other side of the, the conversation that I mentioned, uh, you know, some of the, the stuff that Aaron and I are dealing with. So we are pre-recording a little bit of these shows. Uh, hopefully the, the timing of them doesn't uh, impact them too much. I don't think it will. But uh, anyways, I hope everybody's doing well on this Sunday Perspective show. I want to kick around an idea that's been floating around in my head as, you know, I, I think about, uh, obviously we've been doing a bunch of shows about AI and AI uh, from a technology perspective is not going to be the center of this, but really kind of thinking about, uh, you know, when we have technology shifts, era shifts uh, in technology. So we've been, you know, covering cloud computing here for, uh, you know, uh, I think this is our 13th or 14th year, uh, goes all the way back to 2011. Obviously, cloud computing kind of probably got started in what we would consider modern cloud computing 2007, 2008, as uh, AWS was was getting going and some of the early, early uh, SaaS applications. And while cloud computing, the cloud computing era will continue because it just becomes very much a lot of times the sort of the de facto not only location in some cases, uh, but also more, probably more prevalently, kind of the de facto operational model for how people do stuff. But as we start to kick off the AI era, which sounds a little weird because for the most part, you know, the AI era has been going on for quite a while. You've got people who, you know, depending on how gray beard they are, will tell you about, you know, AI winters and things from 15, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, but to a certain extent, the AI era that will probably get mainstream visibility, uh, mainstream appeal, and has got everybody excited is really, you know, the AI era that has kicked off with things like generative AI and all the tools that are, you know, becoming just much easier and much more adaptable for uh, not the superhuman technologists, but the ones who can use ChatGPT and Stable Diffusion and Dolly and, you know, things that'll help you write some code like uh, GitHub Copilot and other stuff. And so it kind of got me thinking, um, you know, as we think about these these shifts in eras or these these new eras, how much of them are truly shifts, actual technology shifts, and how much of them are what I'll call drifts, right? So yes, they are new technology. Yes, they are different from the thing that was sort of mainstream three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago. But are they truly shifts? And and what does that really mean? What is a what is a shift? What is a drift? Um, you know, are they things that obviously will save you money? As most of the time, when we talk about technology, you know, there's there's 
an aspect of it that's new and neat and interesting, but but ultimately when people are typically buying technology, it is to save them money, save them time, save them headaches, save them tedious work. Um, but in some cases, it's, you know, can it obviously help make me money, right? Can I make an investment that will increase my productivity, increase uh, some sort of output of uh, what we do that, that ultimately helps me, you know, impact the top line as opposed to the bottom line. And so I, I kind of want to kick around an idea that I've, that I've been you know, thinking about in this, this sort of um, taxonomy, if you will, of drifts versus shifts and how to recognize one, um, when are they clear cut and when are they maybe a little bit gray in what they do. So I want to dive into that after the break. Are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the latest trends in enterprise tech? Look no further than the Breaking Analysis podcast with Dave Vellante. This data-driven program dives into the most important topics facing the enterprise tech industry today. With a data-first approach that leverages ETR's renowned surveys of IT decision makers and insight from the Cube community, Breaking Analysis delivers in-depth research on the most important topics facing technologists and IT buyers. Whether you're a business leader, an IT professional, investor, or just an avid follower of the industry, this podcast is a must-listen. Just search Breaking Analysis Podcast wherever you get your podcast and tune in today to stay ahead of the game in enterprise tech. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I want to dive into this idea or this sort of taxonomy that's been floating around in my head, uh, technology shifts versus technology drifts. And the reason it, it came up was, you know, as I've been thinking about AI uh, and, you know, is this really a big deal? Is this really a significant leap forward or a change in how we do things? There was there was a part of me that went, okay, you know, what's the new technology? What's new? What are the components of it? And all those things, which, you know, oftentimes as I was kind of coming up in this industry was the thing that that would jump out at me is like, you know, can I learn this technology? What goes on behind the scenes? How is it built? How is it maintained? All that kind of stuff. And and I think what I've learned over time is that if you've lived through enough of those kind of the new thing comes along, yes, there's a process of figuring that out and learning that. But if you don't step back and sort of look at it from a from an economics perspective, it's very easy to get wrapped up in the idea of like, oh, this this new thing is really new and it's really significant, as opposed to being like, it really is just sort of a, a drift from from the previous thing. So the reason this this AI thing got me thinking about it was, you know, I was thinking about the, you know the impact of what AI does and some of the you know the applications and so forth do, and you know it was one of those things where I was like, it's pretty easy to draw a line, uh, you know, or to, to think through how when done properly ai will likely be business impactful more so than just technology impactful to most companies right so you know can it help developers write software faster yes it seems to be able to do that fairly straightforward could it help us uh you know eliminate certain repetitive types of tasks or potentially repetitive types of jobs or jobs that really aren't um significant value so for example like uh, a chat bot augmenting a call center yes that seems pretty straightforward you know could it potentially you know do some things uh autonomously uh when when programmed properly to reduce a bunch of costs for systems yeah it does seem to be able to want to do that or you know it does have the capability of doing that and it seems pretty obvious as to how you'd go about doing that and so it got me thinking okay this feels like a shift a thing that in theory, you know, should should make material economic change to a business. Now, of course, the flip side of of AI is, you know, the potential cost of 
you know, doing things like buying a bunch of GPUs or using a bunch of GPUs and training models and collecting enough data and potentially moving data around, like there could be some significant costs in different aspects of either building a model, training a model and preparing the data for it, training a model, you know, all those sort of things. <clears throat> and and we'll figure out over time if they if they offset each other. But I think of that as not terribly, terribly different than saying, well, you know, if I were having to figure out all the infrastructure to set up Kubernetes, for example, or, you know, something else that sort of come along, there's always going to be a certain amount of, you know, like the cost of the system itself versus the impact of the system. So my my rudimentary definition of the idea of, of shifts versus drifts was, does it immediately or in obvious ways help you save money? Or does it uh, immediately or in obvious ways help you make money? And so I started going through some of the historical things to, to think about this, right? So, you know, if I think about mainframe, for example, and again, I'm not trying to date this, I'm just trying to, to put some context around it. Um, if I think about mainframe, you know, mainframe was sort of the first thing that came along and said, I could do, you know, computing types of activities at significant orders of magnitude more so than humans, right? And, you know, the the, the great visi- the great sort of visualization of this is um, the movie, and gosh, the name, I'll forget, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, essentially, the movie that was talking about how they, um, you know, put the first people into orbit, put the first people up into the moon, and the computational work that was done, and then the IBM mainframe came along, and it didn't replace all those people, but it, you know, it sort of supercharged that, right? So the mainframe itself seemed like a shift. It was sort of the first shift from, you know, purely human work, uh, human speeds, human errors, to being able to do it at an order of magnitude faster, and you know, being able to say, okay, that that order of magnitude faster, uh, you know, was going to be a significant shift in terms of, you know, was it going to save money? Probably in terms of you know batch processing and just transaction processing and so forth. Was it going to help make money? Um, you know, I think you would probably argue that the capability underlying it could then unlock new services and those new services, i.e., you know, faster transactions or other things, you know, eventually became credit card transactions and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, you could you could sort of point to obviously making money. Okay. So mainframe, we'll call that a shift. <clears throat> Mini computer comes along and it's sort of a smaller version of mainframe. Um, yes, it changed the economics of buying the equipment, but you know, and you could argue that, well, you know, the mainframe probably initially was price prohibitive such that you just couldn't have that many people that owned a mainframe. Um, but I don't know that, that the mini, you know, was was that that significant, right? It wasn't that significant in terms of like lowering transaction prices or lowering calculation cost. It was just a different starting point. So, you know, I, I sort of think of that as being more of a drift, right? So from mainframe to mini computer, more of a drift. Now, the play, first place that I was thinking about, which you get into a, was it a shift? Was it a drift? Was when we started getting into a little bit more distributed computing with like PC server, server, um, you know, PC server types of, of architectures in which we moved to smaller sort of centralized computers, but more intelligent uh, endpoint computers. So moving from like a dumb terminal to a PC. And and this is the first one that, that still feels somewhat like a shift, or I'm sorry, a drift in that you know, the cost of now having to maintain a, you know, significantly distributed system was probably much more expensive. I mean, we're putting 
uh, orders of magnitude more software in all these end devices. All these end devices are more expensive. Uh, granted, it gets offset somewhat by the centralized computer being less expensive. Uh, but we're now having to do all sorts of things like antivirus software and firewalls all over the place and thinking about all this stuff and having to train users on how to customize their, their machine and passwords. And so while I know everybody talks about the client server era or the you know sort of PC server era as being a significant shift in terms of like end user productivity, right? This is where we started to see, uh, you know, Windows and Office and those types of things on the laptop or, or on desktops and laptops. Um, I don't know that you would necessarily point to it as being so significantly uh, cost reductive or so significantly helping you make money for the business. It just felt like, you know, because we were doing computing, it allowed you know, knowledge workers, if you will, to sort of keep up with the amount of velocity that now is possible because of computing. And so that's one I, I feel like is still a drift. Uh, but that's the first one is I think historically where sort of shift versus drift, um, you know, kind of comes into play. And it's interesting because there was so much that then happened as a result of that, that the the industry got bigger, right? It It, it drove more and more things. It drove networking and it drove you know, distributed storage and storage arrays and, you know, all sorts of stuff, eventually Wi-Fi and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, but it was one of those ones that somebody said like, hey, what's what was the ROI on client server? Um, you know, it was going to be different. It was, you know, be more complex. It wasn't always obvious, if you will. <clears throat> now, the next one to me that felt a little bit like sort of a, an in-between between shift and drift was sort of the move to the, to the mobile era, right? Um, in that, Yes, we were shifting the ability of workers to to go from essentially working in the in the office, you know, with a fixed number of hours in any given day in a fixed location, um, to essentially being able to do it anywhere at any time, uh, all the time, right? And now we did have expensive devices. Now they're they're cheaper than a laptop, but you know the the ongoing cost of a, of a cell phone, for example, with ongoing, you know, the cost of the phone plus the cost of monthly services, you could probably argue that like the cost of an endpoint has you know, possibly gone up to a certain extent. Um, you know, and then the fact that they break more frequently, um, all that sort of stuff. We have to rebuild our applications in different ways. I feel like to a certain extent, it has unlocked a lot of interesting things. It unlocked business cases that didn't exist exist previously. So whether it's in retail or it's in entertainment or in gaming and so forth. So it, it has, there have been some very obvious uh, making money opportunities for mobile. And that's probably the most, you know, obvious thing. The cost of mobile uh, doesn't feel that much different than, you know, when you had a laptop and, you know, your, your only cost was sort of like 30 or 40 bucks a month for, uh, for home internet. So that one to me, to a certain extent, was a significant shift in terms of the technology, in terms of the capabilities that people could do. But then to a certain extent, like economically, it felt like a little bit more of a drift. Um, so now we get into a few other things. Uh, so virtualization comes along, server virtualization comes along. And to me, from an IT perspective, this goes back to being a shift in terms of it is probably the the most obvious case of just more efficient ways of doing technology than we've seen in our industry, right? You are very likely because of client server, 
being very, very inefficient about how you're using compute resources and hence data center resources and networking resources and all those sort of things. And virtualization comes along and it just says, I will save you money, period, stop, end of end of conversation. And that to me feels like a, a significant shift, right? Is it obvious that we'll save you money? Yes, it is obvious. Check, right? First thing. Um, so then I started to think about more of the modern era that we're in. So cloud computing. I think cloud computing is a shift in terms of usage patterns. Uh, it's distinctly a shift in terms of usage patterns in that, uh, you know, in terms of buying patterns, um, you know, things are on demand. Uh, everything is sort of self-service. Um, you can piece them together the way that you want to piece them together, maybe not the way that IT used to. But I think it's also kind of on the on the drift side in terms of if you use it in a way that is similar to what you used before with client server or what you did in the data center with private cloud, um, you know, it's proving to be not necessarily obvious in terms of, you know, saving you money, right? I mean, we, we're now two years into every single one of the cloud providers basically saying, well, our customers have been optimizing, which is sort of shorthand for saying, uh, you know, they realized that it wasn't that much cheaper. Now, <clears throat> you know, the whole premise of the cloud is, Yes, it's cheaper. Yes, and, and, and if you use it in new ways, if you use it in sort of shifting ways, on-demand type of ways, I'm doing things at short periods of time. I'm doing a lot of experimentation. I'm not having to tie things up in long CapEx contracts and, and leases and so forth. Yes, it's very different. But if you're looking at it over multiple periods of time, over multiple years, it's not necessarily you know, different. I mean, we're still talking about compute and storage and networking and firewalls and databases and and things along those lines. So to a certain extent, it it feels like a new era. I mean, cloud is obviously a new era, um, but it also to a certain extent feels like a a drift uh, to a certain extent, right? So, you know, this is where this sort of drift versus shift terminology, I think, you know, gets a little bit gray. And And I'm only throwing these things out there because I'm ultimately trying to figure out how can you see where the biggest trends are going to be? What are the things that are going to keep the biggest ecosystem around it for long periods of time? And what are the ones that people are going to look back five years into it and be like, yeah, we figured out that technology and I guess it did the thing that we didn't want to do before differently. But is it, is it better? Is it ROI? You know, does it, is it ROI positive? Is it TCO positive? Now, the one that jumped out to me the most was sort of this whole cloud cloud native uh, era that we've been in, from everything from Kubernetes to service meshes to uh, you know microservice to all these things. And this is the one that I think we all went into it thinking this is a shift, right? We're writing applications differently. We're going to be more agile and responsive to the business. Um, therefore, you know this will be obvious that it will make the company more money. And because we're not doing monoliths, it'll be easier to maintain and so forth. And I think this is one that, you know, say six, seven, eight, nine years in, people are coming back and they're going, well, it's a drift for sure. It's definitely different than how we used to do things before. Um, and, you know, there are benefits to it. We're, we're releasing code more frequently. Uh, we don't have to necessarily build these monolithic applications. But, the, you know, the ROI and the use, you know, sort of the total cost of ownership of it isn't always, and again, this is sort of like cloud computing, it depends on how you use it, isn't always the most obviously different uh, than before. So it's it's probably the biggest one that you go, 
on the surface, it seemed like a shift. It seemed like it was going to change things significantly. And looking back on it, you know, the the way that people have organized their teams, the way that they've learned and the pace that they learn stuff feels more drifty than, than shifty. So anyways, um, and then I come back around to AI. And again, like I mentioned at the top of this, AI, while there's a lot of new technology, um, and in order to be successful with AI, you probably need to be standing on the shoulders of, you know, whether it's a shift or a drift, uh, you know, microservices and uh, cloud and things like Kubernetes and cloud native and all those sort of things. Um, it does feel more like the way that people think about virtualization and that you're probably going to be able to draw a straighter line to, you know, can I make money using this or can I you know, save money using this technology? And so, um, you know, I, it, it's a weird, when I put it in a bigger context, uh, I think this shift versus drift will be helpful. Um, you know, again, a, a drift could last for eight to 10 years. Um, it may be buzzy for one or two years for something like serverless, for example. And then we kind of forget about it because it maybe didn't pan out exactly as, as much as we thought it might. It had potential and, you know, it's still interesting, but niche um, And then there's others that, that are going to last for a long time, right? So, you know, Kubernetes and others. So it's, I'm going to try and think about this, this taxonomy, this sort of framework, um, you know, in trying to allow myself to think broader about what are the impacts of these technologies and, and the amount of time we spend covering them and so forth. Um, but I think it unlocks, you know, a couple of things, right? It, it makes us think about both the technology change as well as the economic change. Um, you know, I think sometimes we, we forget about the economic change because we're sort of like, well, faster is always better. Or smaller is always better than bigger. And um, maybe that's not always the case. But I think it's also the more I think about it, the more I talk through this in my head uh, and, and in the microphone, um, you know, it also sort of highlights that, you know, these things don't necessarily happen in a vacuum, right? So you're going to have instances where certain things are going to happen and they seem sort of by themselves, right? So mobile feels very different than some of the previous computing generations, whereas, um, you know, the cloud native stuff feels like a variation on it. But it also feels like if you didn't go through the cycles of learning to be good at cloud native, at least the, the mechanisms of, you know, how do I deploy infrastructure through APIs? How do I, uh, you know, get better at deploying using CI, CD and, and more dynamic ways of, of making changes to things? Um, then the next drift era, i.e. the AI era, uh, become that much more difficult to do. Because, for example, if you're not able to do CI, CD well, or you're not able to do deployments on a regular basis, the idea of iteration and, you know, things like RAG with AI or other stuff, you know, being able to do those well will probably be much more different than, um, you know, than we necessarily had in the past. So, um, you know, this is sort of an experiment from a show perspective in terms of this concept. Um, I think I think there is some ways for us to sort of think about these things, but, um, you know, I, I think for me in particular, it's going to be uh, kind of a just just a litmus test, kind of a, a template for, you know, how do I think about new technologies in terms of can I obviously uh, see how it helps save money? Can I obviously see how it helps to make money? Or does it just sort of seem to replace something else in a new way? And if it's the latter, um, you know, it probably sort of falls into the drift category and, and may not necessarily, you know, 
mandate or deserve as much time as maybe some of the other things that we had before. So with that, I'll wrap it up. Uh, hopefully by the time I, uh, I, I land in this, in this lands, uh, I'm, I'm safe in another place. Uh, hope everybody is doing well and, and having a good weekend. If you're listening to this uh, on Sunday or Monday or whenever you listen to it. Um, uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you for, uh, you know, giving us feedback as you always do. Um, and thank you for uh, just continuing to stick with the podcast. I know, uh, there's a lot of choices out there and we really appreciate, uh, both your loyalty as well as your community in terms of telling other people and, and things like that. So with that, I'll wrap it up and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.